0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: So Romans chapter 12. Let's just read the chapter and we can go over it. And I'm actually going to read this from the New King James Version. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul's writing to the Roman church, and he's saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Romans 12, 9. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things. But associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but overcome evil with good. Isn't that a beautiful passage of Scripture? I mean, it's so awesome. I love the book of Romans, right? We know that Paul is writing this to the church that's just starting in Rome. And this church is like a house church. It's not one of those big churches like where, you know, we can go down, we can see all different types of churches all different type of denominations. But this is more than likely a church that's just beginning. And in the church, you have Jews and you have non-Jews, right? So they're coming to a place where they have differences of worship. But Paul is telling them how to get along in in their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. So, just a little bit about Romans. Who I mean, I love the book of Romans. The book of Romans is so awesome to me because I find I find very encouraging what it has to say for us because it it really speaks to us as people, as Christians who are trying to live this life righteously before God. And sometimes we need answers of what the Bible has to say of how we live our lives, right? So, Paul is writing this probably from his third missionary journey, and if you go and research it, a lot of it, it's probably in his third missionary journey, and he's writing from Corinth. So, some other people he's writing to, he's already has relationships with, as you read the book of Romans, Romans is so rich, like Romans 1.16, we've all heard this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So you can see who Paul is writing to. His audience are the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people. And I don't know about you guys here, but I'm not a Jew, so I'm a Gentile, right? Is anybody Jewish in here? Okay, so we're all Gentiles. Thank God he's, he's made a way for us Gentiles to enter into his kingdom. What about Romans 3.23? Who's heard of the, who's ever used uh, sharing the gospel with somebody, the Roman road of salvation? Who's heard of that or who's, who have ever used it? Anybody heard of it? You, you guys never picked up the track where it says the Roman road of salvation when I was, uh, this is way back, before I was really saved, uh, my Sunday school teacher, they had made these tracks for us to go out and witness, and uh, there's this place in Oceanside, this is in Southern California, and in Oceanside, it's called Hill Street. Now, you got to understand, Oceanside has Camp Pendleton, it's one of the largest U.S. military bases in the world. And so you have all these young Marines coming there, and over the weekend they hit Hill Street, and Hill Street is where the fun stuff is at—worldly fun stuff, right? And so, and so, when I was growing up, our Sunday school teacher—he would—he had this van, and um, you know, on Saturdays, on Saturdays he would pick us up. And we would go to the church, do some church things. And then he would pass out these tracts. He'd go, okay, this is what we're going to do tonight, guys. This is the Roman road to salvation. And so he he reads a tract. These are tracts, like full-blown tracts, not like the little ones. There's like a little mini book. And so, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this, and we're going to go witness to on Hill Street. And I'm looking at him like, What? I don't even know what we're doing right now. But that always stuck with me when he said the Roman road of salvation. So anyways, it's just a way for you as a believer, for us as Christians to show somebody, Hey, this is what sin is. This is where you're at as a sinner. This is what you have to do in order to have salvation. And this is what God has done for you. And this is your position in Christ. Basically, that's what it is. It's real simple. So we all know this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? That's in Romans. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is Paul writing to the church. And this is, in Romans 12, this is where he's getting to. So he's telling them, hey, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of salvation. And then he goes and he shows everyone's a sinner. Everyone who was ever born is a sinner. And they all need a Savior. We all know this as well. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And so, slowly but surely, Paul is showing them, hey, the gospel is the power of salvation. All people are sinners. And this is what happens when you come to know Christ. So we see that in Romans 5.1, and we see Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul is painting a picture. He's walking us through us as sinners, how we come to know Christ, and slowly but surely, I'm going to get there. And then we go on, Romans 8.1. Who does not love Romans 8.1? I love Romans 8.1. This is what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that deep? Who loves Romans 8.1? Is it just me? I need Romans 8.1 every day because I need to be reminded that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Because let's face it, we can be condemned by other people, right? You can condemn yourself with the thoughts that we think, how we treat people, our relationships, even in the church. And Romans 8.1 is there for us to dive into his grace. What about Romans 8.28? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, For those who are called according to his purpose. It trips me out like some of my family members who I know they're not Christians at all. I see this scripture. Sometimes they will pop these scriptures up and I'm like, do they really understand what the scripture is all about? Do they really understand? This verse doesn't say that all things will be good or that all things will appear to work out for the best. Right. It says we know that whatever happens in our lives, guys, it all works together like pieces of puzzles and it fits the picture God intends for it to fit into our lives. This is expressly written for those, catch this, for those who love God. You either love God or you don't love God. You're either an enemy of God. Or you're a son or a daughter of God. That's plain and simple. We cannot play around when it comes to trying to help somebody see the light—the light of salvation. Right? We cannot play around with that stuff, guys. What about Romans eight thirty eight thirty nine? And I hear this at times when you know there's a a death, there's something's going. You know, someone's going through hardship and they need some encouragement. And this is what it says. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Doesn't that encourage you guys? Doesn't that encourage you guys? It encourages me. Paul tried to help the church at Rome put their suffering into perspective, guys. Because the suffering that the church here in, in Rome are dealing with is not the suffering that you and I deal with here in Lubbock, Texas. Right? We're not dragged out, being persecuted, taken to prison, and all you really rely on is your faith in God because you you know you're going to die this is what's happening in this culture at this time if you profess to be a christian more than likely you're going to die so this is real to these guys when they read these scriptures it's alive and well because why they have nothing else to fall back on like we do we have plans If plans don't work out, we always have plan B. But these guys had nothing else to run to. And this scripture is so encouraging to them.
2: It's so encouraging to them. So Paul is painting a picture and he
1: goes on and on. And he finally comes to Romans 12, where we're at. And we're actually going to move a little bit faster than we are now. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul is saying, hey, brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I urge you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you and me. Right? To give your bodies to God. What does that mean? In this, in this context, these guys are going to prison, they're going to jail, more than likely they'll be persecuted. And they need an encouragement that no matter what, even in death, that they will,
2: that God will walk with them. So Romans chapter 12, verse
1: 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Paul is telling them, hey, guys, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person, into a new being, changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know that God What God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for us is always good, pleasing and perfect. Sometimes we walk in this life and we don't know what God is doing, right? Sometimes we have struggles in life and we're like, what is going on here? I'm walking with God. I'm doing all the right things. I'm trying to live my life according to his word. And all I'm going through is trial after trial after trial
2: you're in the perfect will of God. And we got to recognize that, guys. We got to recognize that everything that we go
1: through, it's for the better of your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and this is great because Pastor Ben has been covering 1 Corinthians and he's, we've gone over the different gifts, right, on our Sunday study. So this is just going to tie in with that. Romans 12, verses 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one. A measure of faith. Paul is saying because of the privilege and the authority that God has given Paul, he's addressing them and he says, "I give each of you this warning." Now he he gives them a warning. Don't think you are better than you really are, because we as people tend to think like that. We think highly of ourselves, and we're very prideful at times, and we want to take the glory that God deserves. For instance, like myself at work, I'm in charge of people, and there's a certain process that we do our work with, right? And I put these processes in order. And when everything goes well, I'm like, oh man, look at this. I Everything's going well because of me. Because I put this process in order And everything, the company's making money, people are happy, and then when it doesn't go well, you know, when it goes well, oh, man, look what I did, guys. Yeah, you you know why you guys are making money here in sales? Because I put this process in order. You guys know why you're collecting all this money in collections? Because I put this process in order. It's me, 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 me,
2: me. Everybody look at me. And Paul's telling me, don't think highly of yourself.
1: It's crazy for us to try to think that we can take the glory that God, the reason why those things are in order, because God has given me the wisdom, right? God has given us the wisdom to make right decisions, to put things in order for that business to prosper, and for me to take the glory, God's glory, you know, you can say, thank you, thank you. It's, it's okay to say thank you. Hey, job well done. Great. But always in your heart, give God the glory. It's never about us. So Paul is
2: saying, don't think highly of yourselves. Don't think you are better
1: than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given each one of us. I could relate it to our own church. We're a small church. You know, I'll be straight honest with you guys. You know, I mean, we have singers up here, we have musicians up here. And sometimes I sit down there and I'm like, boy, I want to sing the song like that. That kind of sounds off. Or I want to play the music like that. That's prideful. That's what Paul is talking about, right? That's what he's talking about. You want to put yourself highly before and you want to make yourself look better than what you really are. And God says, no, we got to come humbly and serve each other humbly. Verse four, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Paul's saying, we're many members in one body, in one body, guys, but all the members do not have the same function. So, Pastor Ben has a gift of teaching, has the gift of evangelism. You know, Talia has the gift of playing the guitar, the gift of singing. You know, I have the gift of helping out wherever needs to be helped out. I've got the gift of helps. Sometimes I have the gift of trying to take control of certain things. You know, that is really not a gift. You know, think about yourselves. Think about yourselves in your lives right now. What different gifts has God given you that you're using in his kingdom right now? We all have different gifts, and Pastor Ben has been covering that in our Corinthian studies. We are all different, but we all belong to each other. It kind, I'm really disappointed in myself when I, when I see the body of Christ and I don't come and support what needs to be supported, right? Or I don't pray for my brothers and sisters, or I don't pray for our church, or it's, I'm just not encouraging, right? We all need to be encouraging towards one another, husbands, wives, wives, husbands. Parents, children, you know. I'm very, I was brought up very straightforward, like, don't sugarcoat stuff with me, just tell me how it is. And that's how I am with my wife and daughter. I just like, you know, this is what it is. Let's just try to go straightforward and right there. Let's not try to take these sideways when the answer's right there. Let's go right there, right? And sometimes you learn from those things. After being married more than 20 years, you learn. How your wife works. You learn how your kids act in certain ways. So you change. We adapt. And that's how we should be in the body of Christ. We're not so, we're not so headstrong of what we say a Christian looks like, right? We have to be free to give one another grace when it comes to things like that. I mean, and I find myself, I mean, walking with the Lord. I got saved in January of 2000, walking with God. Man, I hate when I get into a position, when I'm so headstrong, when, all, when nothing else seems right, when this is the only way you do this, this is the only way. No, it's not the only way. There's many ways, so change your way. Change your way for the betterment of your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Right. There's it's like sometimes we major on the minor things and we forget what the major things really are. People, souls. Salvation. There's many people that don't know Jesus. That's the major where we need to focus on. So par saying in verses uh, Romans 12, I'm going to read from five to eight. Then we can break that down. Then I really want to get in from verse 9 on down, to talk about how do we live a radical life. So, Romans 12, 5, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given to each one of us, right? To each one of us. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, inc- others be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, lead, take responsibility seriously. And you, if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So, it's very important for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, to do the best that we can do with what he's given us. For instance, I should try to honor God by being the best father possible, right? Because that honors Jesus. I should be, I should strive to be the best husband possible to my wife. Why? Because it's your wife? Yeah. But more than that, to
2: honor the Lord. When it comes down to our finances, our gifts and talents, we should do
1: everything that we can. To honor God. And sometimes we try to complicate that when honoring God is so simple that you do it because you want to honor God and you want to love him. To love him is to do the best that you can do. And you know when you're not doing the best that you can do, right? I know when I'm not, you know, when I'm half-hearted coming to church and like, man, I just got to show up just to show up because I've got an assistant pastor (laughs) named You know, assistant pastor on my title. Forget that. I was never into that. I just loved God and pastor, and Ben saw that and he wanted to pursue and disciple me and shape me and mold me so I can come along and help out in the church. And with that comes the assistant pastor role. But I never pursued it because I wanted to honor God, even though we were small in church. And we're still small. You know, it's something that comes along when you do the best that you can do and you try to honor God when no one is looking. You know, God esteems you. Right. God esteems you. You know, if you're a mom in here and you're trying to do the best that you can do to take care of your kids, nobody else sees it. God sees it. When you're a single mom and you have to run your kids all over the place, God sees that. When you're a mom and when you're in a relationship and your husband's just tuned out, he's not there, God sees it. When you're at work and you're working, and you're working harder than everybody else, and people don't understand why why you come in early,
2: why you do the things that you do, Why you have integrity is because God sees it. It's important for us to really keep in mind of why we do the things that we do
1: is because we love God. Everything else is everything else. When our motivation is to love God, then everything else that we do Would fall in place. So Paul goes over the gifts. So we all have different gifts. You guys just, you know, if you don't have the, if you don't know what your gifts are, just ask your, you know, ask people who know you well. They'll exactly know tell you what your gift is or what you don't have a gift in. Okay, now the title of tonight's message is Live Radical, right? So I want to make sure that we really understand what does that mean to live a radical life for Jesus? Is it for me to come and uh, sell my house um, and sell everything and move to like a third world country and serve the orphans? Maybe, I don't know. If God has given you that faith To step out and do that, then you should do it. If he has not, then you shouldn't do it because you'll be in a world of trouble. But this is what it looks like according to the scriptures that we're going to read here. So Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says this.
2: Let love be without hypocrisy. Let
1: love be without hypocrisy. Guys, don't just
2: pretend to love others. Don't pretend to love others. Now,
1: Paul is writing this to the Roman church. And I could imagine there's people in the church when the letter is being, when this epistle is being read, that there's strife in that church, right? Right? And when they're reading this, let love be without hypocrisy. Right away, some of the people
2: that are hearing this like, oh, man. I've been loving this brother right here with hypocrisy. And you know what that is, right? We
1: all know what that is. We experience that in our church When we have our own family in Christ, not loving each other genuinely.
2: Now, I'm speaking this from experience. There's times and there's
1: relationships in my life in the church setting where I do not love people genuinely like what the Bible tells here.
2: You just fake love them because you're upset with something that's happening. Am I the only one? It's like, okay, not, not, just an
1: example. You know, it's like you've been serving in this church for a while, and somebody else comes in, and right away they get involved in things, and then all of a sudden, it's like something happens. And then in my spirit, it's like you see God moving in their lives. And the Holy Spirit in your heart is telling you, man, I'm moving in their lives. And because in some way in my flesh, I'm like, well, I've been here forever. And and I should have a say in what goes on here It is like right away you don't love that brother or sister genuinely. You harbor bitterness towards somebody because you don't like the way God is working things out.
2: And even though we're a small church, we experience that here. I'm being truthful. I mean, it trips me
1: out because I get like that. It's like, man, I don't like what's going on at church. I'm just not going to talk to people. I'm not going to associate with them. And God is telling you in this scripture right here, Paul is saying, are you loving your brother and sister
2: genuinely? Are you pretending to love them or do you really love them?
1: Right? And that could happen even in your, own, in your own family. You can pretend to love your wife or your daughter or your significant other or whatever because you don't want to have all the strife. But God is telling us, hey, hey, Christian, you call yourself a Christian? This is living radically. This is what it looks like. Don't just pretend to love others. Right?
2: Really love them. Really love them. How do we do that? Have we asked God for help? God, my
1: heart is so prideful right now. It's filled with bitterness. I know he or she is my brother and sister. And I have all these bitter feelings towards them because this is happening. I'm jealous. Do we really confess like that to God of what's going on? Or do we just lay on in our bitterness? Well, I don't like those people. I'm not going to associate with them. I just want them to leave the church.
2: You're... We're
1: hypocrites when we do that. If you're a son or daughter of the king... You need to go to God to take all your bitterness, all your hatred, all your whatever that you have towards another brother and sister and get over that. It may not happen one day. It may not happen in one week, but it will happen because it's the power of God that gives you the love to love your brothers and sisters
2: genuinely. To really love them. Twelve nine says,
1: Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Paul is telling them, genuinely love one another, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Paul is telling us, he's, he's he's painting a picture for us of what living radically really is, because that's so hard to do. It's hard to love the people that you do not like. Paul is telling, hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. And how do we do that? We go to God for power in order to do that. 12.10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Guys, we need to love each other with a genuine affection. And we need to take delight in honoring one another. And that is so hard to do as people, even if you're not a Christian. (laughs) If you're a Christian, it's hard to do. Sometimes I don't like my brothers and sisters. I'm just like, yo, just stay away from me for a little while. Let me get over this thing and we'll be all right. Sometimes we need a time out from people, Right. We just need time out for you to focus on you and your relationship with God. Because if that goes right, if your vertical relationship with the Father is right, then your horizontal will line up. Because you cannot love God and hate your brother and sister. Just not going to happen. Romans 12, 11, Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord 1212, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So God is telling us how to live the radical life, right? Love each other with a genuine love. Take delight in honoring each other. And he's telling us as Christians, never be lazy, but work hard and serve God enthusiastically. You know what really bugs me? If, if, for us that profess to be a Christian, are lazy
2: Christians. And sometimes I could be lazy in my walk with God. I make time like for, like,
1: you know what's precious to me right now? What motivates me is my work. Because, here's why, because I get paid to go to work. If I don't go, I don't get paid, and I can't pay the stuff that I need to pay. That's a motivation. Just think of it, of your relationship with God. What motivates us to love God, guys? What motivates us, what draws us to God to love him more
2: than our paycheck we go to work for? For each one of us is different.
1: Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. We need to rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep
2: on praying.
1: Romans twelve thirteen, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. You know, as believers, isn't that where true fellowship, true relationship is? is when we are hospitable towards one another. I mean, we can have communion here at church, but it's only like a church communion thing. But when you invite somebody over to dinner and you go out with them and really sit down with them and have relationship with them, it gets intimate because you know them that much more. You know them beyond what the church lingo that we talk about. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Oh, great. How's, you know, whatever we talk about here. It's it's the same thing. We, we talk about, but we really don't discuss what the real issues that's going on in our hearts, in our lives, right? So when we're hospitable towards one another, when we uh, take the time to pursue relationships towards one another, it becomes deep. I mean, I could think of our time here at Calvary, of all the deep relationships that we've had. And it became deeper when we had communion, when we've had them over, when we go out, when we make time to have um, relationships with them outside of the church walls. And that's very important for us as believers in order to do that. And that's something my wife has always been, you know, I think that's her gift. It's like, hey, what about these people? You know, every once in a while, we'll just... We have great relationship with some of the couples here because we go out to dinner with them. You know, we have fun with them. And it's a deep meaning relationship. I really care for them. Because you took the time to cultivate those relationships. And it becomes real with you. And so even though we're a small body, I think it's very important for us, especially with the new couples that come in. Hi, like you guys and you guys and your sister over there. It's very important for us as the body of Christ to have that type of fellowship because people are not going to stick around if they don't think that we really care for them, right? I mean, if I go to a church and I don't feel like I'm loved at a church or I don't feel like they really care about me or they really go out of their way to try to pursue a relationship with me, I'm not going to stick at that church. I mean, that's why we have a bunch of people here in Lubbock, Texas and throughout our country, throughout our world who go church hopping. And they don't have a regular family setting fellowship where they are plugged into and belong to. Because they don't feel the love, maybe. Or they have become so spoiled being a Christian in America where we can do things like that. We don't have to be accountable to this body. We can go there, have our little, you know, serve, serve, serve me. And when I'm done serving you, y'all serve me. I'm going to go someplace else. And I'll go there and get my needs met there until I'm tired of that church and go to this church. And then when I get tired of this church, I'll go to this church. What kind of relationship is that with God? Is that a genuine love That's not genuine. And I don't think God is pleased with that. And I'm sorry. You know, if uh, we could because we've had people come into the body of Christ, come into this body and we're here and they get served. And then all of a sudden they go someplace else. And then they come back around. And then they're done again. Then they go. some, And I'm like, really? Really, dude? Really? Come on. Sometimes we just need to grow up as believers. Okay, we're almost done. 1214. Bless those who persecute you. Persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those
2: who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I have a hard time blessing those who persecute me.
1: So I have to pray to God, to God, God, please help me to love because you can have brothers and sisters in our, in your congregation, in your church. And to you, they're an enemy. And remember, Paul is telling us genuine love. We got to keep going back and being real with God when we have strife within the body of Christ. We have to. Because if we don't, we just, I mean, we let the world look at us as believers and say, I don't want to be like them. They backbite and fight towards one another. Who needs that stuff? I can have it here where I don't have to go to some place to get all that stuff, right? 1214, bless those who persecute you. Do not... Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And Paul is saying, do all that you can do, Christian, for those of us who confess to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, do all that you can do to pursue peace with our brothers and sisters in the church, with those outside of the church. Do all that you can do to pursue peace in your relationships. Now, did you notice that? Paul says, do all that you can do. Sometimes there's only a certain place where you can go to pursue peace. And when peace does not come when you pursue somebody, then you just have to let that relationship go. You just have to give it over. Pray for them, like what the word of God says, pray for your enemies. I mean, even though they may be in the church, they may be an enemy to you. But we have to do what the word of God says. Pursue peace, love them, and just let them go. And let God work in their hearts. As long as he's worked in your heart and he's worked everything else out, that's all you need to do. In 1219, it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing so, they will keep burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We all know that, guys. We all know to conquer anything that's evil
2: is to do good because... Because it's the total opposite of what the world is, and I you know
1: we experience that. I experience that at work at times with my coworkers, with customers. I experience it in my relationships with even in my own blood family. I experience it with my brothers and sisters in the congregation of church. but to encourage you guys and for myself. Be real with your love with God. And, and when we're real with God, we're real with our relationships with one another. It's all right to be mad and to be upset, but don't stay there and have a pity party for yourself. We need to get over it and grow up. And grow up and love each other with a genuine love. Even though we're small in numbers here, I pray that God uh, would use this word to encourage you because after, you know, just, I love the book of Romans. It's rich. And I love talking about it because it so identifies with what we experience. Love God, love people, live radically. What is that? Genuine love. Genuine love, guys. Don't pretend that we love others. Let's do it in practice, right? Let's do it. Let's really love them. As Talia and Amanda come up and close our service, I'm going to pray for us as we leave here tonight throughout the week. Father God, I pray, God, I'm so so thankful for you. Father, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that you're real with us.
2: That you see us deeply. I'm so thankful for your word. God, I'm
1: so thankful for the genuine love that you show us every single day. God, I'm so thankful for all my brothers and sisters who are here tonight. God, when it comes down to it, Lord, it's all, it's all about loving you. And God, I know at times I'm, I'm such a hypocrite in my love. I'm so thankful that you don't love us like that, Lord. God, I know sometimes it's, it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear messages like this. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here tonight. God, I pray, I pray that our love for you would run deep. God, I pray that our love for you is real. God, I pray that our love for one another, especially in the church, is real. How can we say that we love you and we hate our brothers and sisters? How can we walk with you with integrity and be honest with you? If we have bitterness towards anybody in the body lord god thank you so much for your conviction god help us help us to live a radical life and that's genuine love god help us to be encouraging people towards one another and help us to live that out in our lives lord i pray father for the power of your holy spirit that you'll go before us order our steps this week Fill us with your Holy Spirit tonight. Fill us afresh, God. Thank you so much. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and his life here on earth. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you that we don't have to earn it because you paid it all. Thank you for the gift of your word, God, for it brings us instruction of how we're supposed to live this life, Lord. It gives us answers, gives us hope, God, we love you
2: tonight.
1: We love you tonight, God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227.